Good morning, Eugene. Hey, good morning. How are you? Good. How are you? Doing okay. Doing, doing okay. I have to submit my book for editing by the end of tomorrow. So working a lot, you know. Pretty exciting. <laughs> it is exciting. It's just a lot of work. Yeah. Dealing with a lot of issues and rewrites and stuff. How? What's new with you? Mm, I don't know. There's a lot going on. We're trying to move apartments. Sort of dealing with the movers and the setting up electric and insurance and all that stuff for the new place. And our landlords or management company aren't being super responsive. So I don't know like how to better communicate our move out date or how to get our security deposit back or anything. So I just, yesterday I sent a prorated check for our last 20 days with like a letter that's just, Hey, call me if you need any other information. (laughs) It's an interesting approach. I would say (laughs) I've, I've been trying for a month and I call the people and they call me back. And they apologize for taking their time. And they promise they'll call me back in a few minutes. And then two days passes. So, like, the rent's due. I had to do something. So. (laughs) But what 20 days? I thought you were moving, like, mid-month or something. Yeah. So we're, we're picking up our keys the 15th, moving the 16th. But we, like, wanted a couple days in case it's bad weather or, um, I don't know. We want to clean the apartment more. So we we told them that we'll be out by the 20th. I see. Normally um, I would do two weeks or a month overlap, but Manhattan rents are too expensive for me to be doing that. <laughs> Yesterday we were watching American Ninja Warrior. Are you familiar with that show? I think I watched maybe an episode. An episode? Our kids are obsessed. <laughs> Um, with the show anyway. So there was this one guy who lives out of his like full size van, like a big van. And like it, it, they show like a competitor background or story or whatever. And this guy said that he got tired of paying high rents in New York city. <laughs> so he decided to live out of his van. <laughs> well, it's more of a lifestyle change than anything, I think. <laughs> I found it amusing. <laughs> Just I remember you actually a little bit because <laughs> you live in New York City and you pay huge rent. Yeah, and like now our apartment's pretty nice. And the apartment we're getting in Connecticut is about the same size. So like sure it's a little cheaper, but I think where we're moving in Connecticut's more of a buy a house type area because the house prices are reasonable and all that. But I guess the apartment complex is too close to Yale. So like they get college kids. So that's why the rent is higher. Is that what you mean? I think so. And like the apartment (laughs) is small and it's next to the, like the train but i don't know i figured i can be financially conservative for the next year or two yeah sure 
Um, so it's an interesting solution that you came up with, you know, sending a check for 20, for 20 days. <laughs> yeah. How did I've, that happen? <laughs> I mean, I've, I've been talking to these management people <laughs> for, for, for weeks and they are, again, they're all very sorry. They're all overworked. They're all working from home. And I don't know, like, what if they have kids and have to like homeschool them now? And so like, I don't think that they're intentionally being difficult. Oh, also our like building was bought by a different management company. So they were in the early stages of that transition mm-hmm. when this all happened. So that can't be fun. <laughs> bought or like they just, the owner hired a new management company. No, like the complex was acquired and they brought in a new management company. Interesting. Yeah. But yeah, okay. I don't know. I don't actually know if that was the right thing to do, but it seems right. Because before when we did similar things, yeah, you just you pick a move out date, you tell the people, and then you prorate your rent, just like in our new place. I'm paying $15, sorry, I'm paying 15 days of prorated rent for the first month. And then I'll have my regular monthly rent. Okay. So, made sense to me. Is that how um, millennials make decisions nowadays? Make Solve problems? <laughs> I mean, moving is weird because people don't tend to do it too often. Like even us, we move every year. But it's still, like, I forgot everything about what it's like setting up a contract with a water company. I, I don't know. I don't, I never do this. Even if it's once a year, I, I totally forgot. And like, oh, what homeowner's insurance did I have for rental insurance? I don't know. And thankfully, I have a password manager and I got to sort of like dig through all of my accounts and eventually I found them. But it's pretty... It's an interesting problem because for us it happens once a year, once every two years. And maybe I should be like taking notes. Because <laughs> I, I think we're going to keep moving. And what in another two years I'll be relearning how to do this all. And also stuff changes. Like I remember when we first moved into our apartment, they didn't have like electronic rent payments. But now they do. Or like before, you had to sign your lease in person. This time, I signed the entire lease online. So That's people are be. well. People are in a difficult situation where we again we didn't even see our apartment that we're moving into because everything's really? closed. Oh, yeah. But how how did you make a decision? Virtual tour? No, there wasn't like available. I mean, honestly, the the decision was sort of money based. Like we found four <laughs> developments in that area and I knew that I wanted to be by the train station. So there are four developments. One of them was like $400 cheaper and didn't have any fees. So if we ruled out this cheaper place, we would have done virtual tours at the more expensive places because they were all like luxury and they had marble and granite countertops and who knows. So those places were much more well put together. 
and this place was slightly cheaper, but I figured, you know, four or $500 a month is a significant enough difference that let's just, let's just do it. <laughs> so you didn't even see the apartment? I mean, they had like pictures up from sometime. Uh-huh. And there was like, what a, if, yeah, yeah, what whatever. if it's like a cockroach infested place? <laughs> I mean, we read reviews and, it is like a nice town, and the development isn't old. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, like, it seems fine. The thing that I'm worried about is, like, living right next to the train. Because at that point, it's not even sound that you're worried about. It's, like, the ground vibrating. <laughs> so that'll be fun. Um, Interesting. I don't know if I would ever rent an apartment without actually seeing it because like when you see it in person obviously when they take pictures they put the best foot forward Mm -hmm. yeah i would like to see like the cracks in the floors where like cockroaches can come through (laughs) i mean worst case scenario we'll have to like have the management company fix up the place while we're there but there's someone living there now. I'm hoping that they're going to clean it. Yeah. And okay. then, <laughs> like, how hard can it be to seal up some holes in the floor? I guess. Well, you're an engineer, so you can do it. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not worried about it. Our current place has a much bigger problem where the windows and the walls aren't insulated at all. So, yeah, it's fine. They're beautiful big windows, but in the summer it's too hot and then the winter it's too cold and there's nothing we can do. Like we can't tear down the walls, put in insulation and like seal them back. Why do you think uh, there's no insulation? Uh, our new management people had some excuse how it was built a long time ago and the insulation fell. <laughs> like they didn't secure it or maybe the way they secured it was bad or old wow so like they acknowledge the situation wow um you could call like a 311 or something no it's not it's not that bad like we got a little heater for the uh, for the winter and we have some acs for the for now it's not central i hope that our next place is central i feel like it was but i don't actually no mm-hmm. <sighs> interesting approach to but like again we don't live in places very long and if we don't like it we we will just move again so it, it does complicate it. moving mm, it's okay moving it sucks. does complicate it that i'll probably working from home for the next year so it makes the house much more important. Yeah, of course. It's but always I important. It was almost better if I'm working from home for a, for like a year. I could save a ton of money living in a cheaper place. And then we'd come out financially better, even if it's a little uncomfortable for our 15-month lease. Is it a 15-month lease? Mhm. And again, we can also of- we can also break it. There's there's not a lot of fees and 
I think the security deposit's like $700. So it seems like a popular area. So their fees aren't big because they can always fill them. Okay. Okay. I guess. I mean, it's interesting um, to see how your generation approaches like problem solving. I don't know if this is my generation because <laughs> everyone else that I know doesn't move. They stay in places for a few years. They're hesitant because it's like the, the problem that you know versus the problem that you don't know. So now I know that we have bad insulation and we figured out how to deal with it. And we have high rents and we figured out that we can afford it by, you know, cutting other costs. We're not going out anymore because, you know, everything's closed. And, <laughs> and when we move, we don't actually know what those problems will be. Maybe the train will be a problem. Maybe there's some weird parking situation. We have to get a car. So that's like a different problem. How do you buy a car when the DMVs are closed, when most places are closed? And how do you plan on dealing with that? um, So initially, I was reading all those news about Hertz going out of business. And they have this Hertz rental company. So they have, like for a while, had this uh, used car buying program where you can buy a car that's a year or two old, but it has like, you know, 30,000, 40,000 miles on it. And there's like a good maintenance history and they offer this what is it called like it's like rent to buy or something where Mm -hmm. you rent a car for three days you try it out and then you have an option to buy it and the cars tend to be pretty cheap like you're getting a one or two year old car like a 2019 uh, i think i was looking at the yaris which was their cheapest model so it's like a Mm -hmm. small toyota and it was less than 10k for a 2019 Yaris with 30,000 miles. That's I think not bad. That's, I think that's pretty good. That's not bad at all. Um, how does that compare to like um, the Kelly Blue Book or whatever? Oh, yeah. On the website, they have like the comparison. They, they have some like a, like a widget that embeds the Kelly Blue Book like price live. And they're selling it, like, in the average range on the lower side. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, I mean, there's always the question of, do you want to buy a new car and take advantage of, like, the better financing? But something about new cars just makes me feel bad. Really? It's the yeah. opposite for me. I love new cars. It's, it's, like, too much value in a depreciating asset. Well, that's why you don't buy it. If you have a business, you lease it. Mm. That's why you kind of just drive new car every three years, which is nice. Well, there's, there's no nothing like that, feel, yeah. There's, there's no guarantee that we'll need a car for three years. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's not. I mean, and plus you you work um, for a company, so it doesn't like lease doesn't make sense to you, for you. No, and like I would want to buy a cheaper car, and when I decide to move to sell it or give it away or three years is a longer commitment than I want 
and I want to be able to sort of own it. Sort of. <laughs> well, sort of is in like I guess I'll pay for this one in cash because the cost of living from Manhattan to Connecticut's significant. So we have more savings now than we'll need there. And that'll just translate into us buying a car. Because I had a paid off car before we moved. Yeah. Which you gave away, which I don't know. I mean, it's good to give it away to your your relatives and stuff, but like, it kind of seems like a waste of money to me. Well, yeah. I mean, even our security deposit, which I don't know what it is, but I'm assuming it's something like $3,000. It, it's money that I haven't seen in three years. And I I just wrote it off years ago. So yeah, it would be pretty cool to get it back. Because, you know, 3000 would be a pretty good chunk of the car. But once I don't have money, once I give it away, once I put it in a car, I don't I don't tend to want to return things and get the money back. It's not about getting the money back. It's it's not about getting money back. So you gave that car away, um, you know, to be used, what was it, three years ago? Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and now you have to buy a new car. So now you have to come up with more cash to buy a car. Yep. So, like, it's not about getting money back. It's about having a car, not having to put more money into, you know, getting something else. <clears throat> I guess, like, I, I think about my overall financial situation. I'm, I have several months saved. I am contributing to my 401k. We can afford... Are you maxing out? Uh, I don't think I am now. I was doing some weird stuff where I wasn't doing it for a while, because I wanted to pay off my loans faster. And then this whole thing hit. So now I think it's worth taking advantage of the the vesting because we just get immediate vesting. And then with this, with this new law or something, you can like take out money from your 401k if like worst case scenario. Um, not 401k IRA. Yeah, I don't so know. you have to be very careful with that. But I do like the idea of having sort of like an extra paycheck that's fully vested from the company for free. So I've, yeah, I'm doing that now. And that has to be balanced with paying off the rest of my student loans, which I now have the money to pay off, but then I wouldn't have an emergency fund. So I don't, I don't actually know what the correct decision is, but I figured if for now I can afford just regular life expenses and I'm putting away for retirement and we just we just have money to buy a car like i think we're in a good place i don't think i should worry about the security deposit cuz that's not going to make or break anything like it's a lot of money it'll be like what two months expenses maybe maybe one month expense yeah that i would get back or lose but it it's like out of my control and i can't bring myself to worry about it and I'm already doing so, everything to so contact these people. Bef- yeah. Well, you should get your money back. I mean, it's your money. It's not there. So they, yeah, they don't really. The 
Yeah, they could reduce it, but you would still get something back. <laughs> and again, like it's out of my hands. I'm doing all the things to call them and sending letters and emails and yeah, I mean, I'm just not worried about it because I never had this money. Like three years ago is a very long time and I don't, I don't need it. I don't miss it. You don't miss it. What's wrong with you? <laughs> it, I don't know. So um, just before we got on the squall, you mentioned something about how you would approach solving some kind of problem and you were sharing some interesting insight. Um, would you mind um, sharing yeah. it again? <laughs> so I guess I make the distinction of problems that you know the outcome of and you're just working towards that goal. An example is me moving. I know that I need to move. <laughs> it's like a physical, you have to transfer all of your stuff here to your, all your stuff over there. So the goal is straightforward. So then I work on the task of breaking down the tasks. So I wrote down all of the like address change things I need to do. And that's a step. And I gave it like a date in my to-do app to do once we move. So like the first day or two, I'll transfer all the addresses. Um, I got a letter from our new landlord where we had to have some things before we move in. So we had to have renter's insurance and like the down payment uh, money orders or certified down payments? checks or you something. Mean like a security deposit? Yeah, they want the security deposit and the first 15 days rent like up front as a, like a certified check. So that's something that we have to do not now, but probably in a week or two, like right before we move in. So we had to you know, book movers. And I'm still trying to call these management company people we're having trouble with. But all these things, once I spend the time, I can just sit there and keep breaking down tasks, keep discovering things. But there is a finite things, like a finite number of things that I needed to do. And sure, I might miss something, but at the end of the day, I'll know when I've successfully moved. And that's different to other problems, like what we were talking about running a business. Running a business isn't that sort of problem. There is no end state that you know, oh, look, I finished the business. <laughs> and that's a, it's, it's, it's a different type of problem where you still need to break down tasks. You still need to sort of look ahead and try to predict what steps you have to take and make sure you're going in the right direction. But I think sort of like running a business is very similar to how we develop software using the agile, you know, methodology of, uh, I guess we use scrum at work, but it doesn't really matter because the, the point of this is that you have a, an outcome that you're looking for that isn't its final state. And you don't really know what you're driving for. And all you have to do is sort of plan for the next couple steps. Maybe you plan a month ahead of time. Maybe you plan two months ahead of time. And then it's based on this iterative approach to always be looking for feedback. So you had a goal. 
you worked for a month trying to build a software feature or get a marketing campaign for your business or you know whatever whatever activity you're choosing to pursue and then it's very important to step back and evaluate are you closer to your goal which is a successfully running business or a successfully running platform or app and those like retrospective looks on how we're doing did we do the right thing do we have good customer feedback that that's sort of the difference because you never know what things will change in the future and trying to predict them all isn't very useful like you can have a general direction of where you want to go but saying that oh look i know i'll have to uh work out seating arrangements for a restaurant that might not be the case for example in today's sort of world you like no one saw this coming but businesses need to be able to adjust and continue operating and continue having like a framework of like operating in an environment where the future and even the purpose of the business is in flux um i feel like when it comes to a business there is no end goal like you said but the tar it's a moving target so um and i'm kind of speaking from experience i mean oops um when just hit the microphone um so when let's say for my practice at first when i was starting out as a bookkeeper it was to have a full schedule um so that i can you know make the most money um whatever um <laughs> then it transformed to something else now it's working with less clients who that I work with on a regular basis as opposed to more clients that I work with once a year. So the target is always changing. Um, and I feel like you did, you are correct in the sense that <clears throat> we all need to have to understand our risks and to have a plan for, for most um, impactful risks in place, meaning something like this happens. What do you do? Because a lot of what happens, what happened this this time with the with the COVID crisis, um, people, you know, everybody was in shock. So there are typically like five stages of of um, um, crisis mindset development or whatever. Um, and the first one is um, the state of shock, and a lot of people have stayed in that state for like two weeks. Um, and that kind of is, you know, like that was interesting to see because some, some people who not, I don't, I don't want to say that they were more prepared to deal with it, but they were kind of like, okay, what do we do now? Like, not just like, Oh, I'm, I'm in shock. Like how are we going to live? How are we going to survive? You know, what's going to happen? Whatever. Um, and it's, it's just interesting that, um, um, those who kind of made early adjustments have pivoted their businesses in such a way that they're actually making more money now, which is very interesting. I think there's, 
a tendency to basically stay in that denial and say, we'll get through this. We don't have to do anything. It'll all work out. And that's a lot of the sentiment that I'm hearing. Even when this was first starting, like our company, three days before the national emergency was declared and we were all told not to come into work, that Monday we had some people not come in to work and they're like, you know, there's a crisis. I don't care about the corporate policy. I'm just not coming into work. I have elderly parents. I'm just going to work from home. And yeah. our our company was resisting. They didn't they were like in denial and they were saying how there's no possible way that we can all work from home forever because that's just, you know, that's just crazy. How how could we be all expected to work from home? And that was 3 days before the national emergency and then the world changed where something clicked in someone's head and they're like, yep, uh, we're all working from home now. Good news. And for the most part, at least on our group that, you know, the engineers that build apps, I think that we have more productivity because we have more time. We're not commuting an hour each way. It like, it's not nice working from home if you're not used to it. And I had to buy a bunch of stuff and like, you're also working at home. So there's distractions that normally aren't in the office, but the business needed to pivot and maybe it stayed too long in that denial stage, but eventually you can't, you can't stay in denial. Reality will catch up to you. And I think blaming the company for having a slow response isn't useful. Like makes sense. They didn't, actually have a plan and when reality set in we just figured it out so that's why long-term planning doesn't really work in these situations where you don't know what's going to happen and you just need to empower people to make decisions uh, and be able to provide feedback of is this working how can we improve let's keep moving and not expect to go back to normal. And I think a lot of people before were saying, oh, I can't wait to go back to normal, or let's see what this new normal is. A lot of people now are much more on the side of things will be significantly different going forward, and that's okay. There's nothing better or worse about the future because it's it's just what it is. Uh, there's no reason to judge the state of the world, you just need to keep moving. Um, I want to disagree with you on the long-term planning. I think that long-term planning is needed because that um, future goal, I would even call it a future vision, is important because that shapes up your kind of path and also your experience. Um, but at the same time, and it's, those things are not mutually exclusive. You have to have a risk attack plan, so to speak. Um, know your risks, identify them. It's actually a chapter in my book. Um, know what your risks are both internal and external and have a plan of action. If, one of them happens the most likely ones to happen or the most, the ones that you cannot control or 
or both, the ones that you can or cannot control. Um, I think it's important to have that plan in place. And actually, it's interesting, you know, your company was slow to respond. Um, One client of mine actually was the opposite. He closed his office a week before the national emergency was declared. He was like, I I can see that it's coming. um, And, you know, I don't want to put my employees at risk. You know, they, they used to have a store and a, an office where they would do like create designs and, you know, look at samples and all of that. So they needed some space, but they now have figured out a way to actually use this, the store space to like have team meets when they need to design team meets when they need to, to discuss like the designs to touch the fabric, you know, whatever it is. So it's interesting, like some companies, you know, like minds some people's mindset is already like i'm prepared i know if if anything happens i'm gonna find a way to to respond but some because nobody expected it so and a lot of people were in the shock stage and also the second stage is uh, i forgot what it's called it's like desperation and when you make decisions out of desperation they're usually not very good decisions um but and my uh, kind of last point that I want to make is my friend's company. It's very interesting. <clears throat> my friend has been working for a pretty big company for 12 or 13 years. And um, she's been for years asking to work from home, like at least one or two days a week. Um, <laughs> uh, and um, uh, they've like allowed her to occasionally do it. Like, you know, once a, once every two, three weeks and stuff like that. And, um, when this happened, you know, she was like, well, let's just, you know, continue working. She was like, she's been asking for years and she was like, let's just continue working from home. And at first her like bosses were like, no, like it's not going to work. We, whatever, we're going to go back like within a month or whatever. And, and then when this happened, um, and, and the dust settled a little bit. Um, they saw that actually it's working, like it's working just as well as it was. And the company just announced recently that, you know, they're going to be working from home for at least a year. And, um, they're actually maybe even permanently because, um, they'll just rent like, I know like one of those like Regis type remote offices when you can pay for like a couple of times a month for meetings. And it's like a couple of hundred bucks a month, um, to have like a conference room, you know, reservation for, you know, for your team to meet if they need to. And instead of paying that huge commercial rent, (laughs) they're going to do it. It's actually pretty, pretty interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's fine for the company to think that they can save money this way, but there really is a benefit in, coming into the office in that you have a second location that you get to work sort of like we have the bedroom to sleep and the living room to watch TV. I find it hard to sit at my computer all day for work and then try to relax and do something personal on the computer. I, I can't play games on the computer anymore. I just, I just can't sit there and look at the same monitor for more time And at work, this was never an issue. And before, the company provided really nice office equipment. And that's unaffordable by me. So I have cheap IKEA furniture where 
like at our corporate office, we had really nice, fancy office furniture. So I do know a lot of companies, they kind of give their workers a stipend or like an initial lump sum of money to outfit their home office. And ours didn't do that, but like, sure. But then at what point does the company start subsidizing your rent, your electric bill, your internet? Because before those were all things that the company was paying for. And maybe I have to upgrade my internet for it to be, you know, up to speed and be able to video conference. What if I have, you know, two people working and you have two people video conferencing at the same time? Like our internet connection can't do that now. And I feel the slowdown and I don't know, do I get better internet? Probably because I need it for my work. And I think it is the company's responsibility to acknowledge that they are imposing onto their workers' lives and they do need to do something, either pay them for this inconvenience and extra expense. Well, hold on a second. What extra expense? If, did, did you not have internet service at your home before? But it was the basic. So it wasn't, it was enough for me to come home and watch Netflix, but it's not enough for me to have multiple devices streaming. Why do you need multiple devices streaming? Because we have more than one person in the house. So well, my wife and is both doing of you are something. streaming at the same time? Yeah. And then a lot of our other coworkers, they have kids. So they have three kids and each of them are streaming the the schoolwork. So you have three iPads that are streaming school and then you have two parents streaming their work. And I mean, I also have all sorts of server stuff and we do like technology. So we have other needs like transferring data and all that. But also if this is long-term, do I get a two bedroom apartment and use the second bedroom as an office? Like I don't want that because it wouldn't be affordable for me, but that is the correct option. If I'm going to be working from home for the next five years, like I need to buy a house or a two-bedroom apartment because working in the living room isn't like it's not good why not it, i mean sure for 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 a year i've decided to with myself to accept that i'll take the cost savings and just sort of save money but in a year if they are like okay good news your position is now 100% remote going forward I will be looking for a larger office for me to work in. It's just not comfortable in my current situation. Well, it makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I have an actual office, which, yeah, I couldn't imagine doing what I do in a living room, but... Um, yeah, like imagine you podcasting right now in a small one-bedroom New York apartment or a studio, because that's all you could afford. <laughs> yeah. Pretty bad. <laughs> or like we have video calls where two people are working and they're on conference calls at the same time and the audio interferes and like the person can't speak because their partner is talking. Wow. Yeah, and that's actually... New York City apartments, like that's just a reality. And I think it's everywhere. Like a lot of... And, and any apartment, 
tends to have these young professionals who are doing a lot of the the work and the the management also is on meetings all day long so i think i think it is the company's responsibility to not just take all the money and save it and be like oh look we're not renting an office space in manhattan anymore they need to give back and allow their workers to work comfortably yeah i mean and some companies are already doing that i saw yes and i hope that workers will request or demand these things and then prefer companies that offer better benefits like i've picked companies i picked this company because it had a really good 401k vesting schedule it was just immediately vested and that was a nice perk if there was a perk at a company that said okay thousand bucks a month we're giving you as a stipend to work from home you can either rent out a co-working space you can get an apartment with an extra bedroom you figure it out but a thousand dollars it sounds like a lot of money a month right but that's what an office would cost per person and probably more like how much was my cubicle worth to the company disagree with you a little bit not disagree that it's not needed i think it is needed however there's one big reason the companies are not doing it right now the law is very strict when it comes to reimbursing um, employee expenses so basically right now if the company were to do that to give you the thousand dollars it would have to make it taxable to you there is no law right now that allows you to even deduct those expenses if you were to buy them on your own um, so that's probably the problem. the The law is lagging, but maybe, hopefully, it's going to be, it's going to change soon because of the situation. Maybe it won't be because there's also the commercial rent um, aspect of millions of people of owning commercial real estate and they're basically who will end up in the hole because of this. Um, but so there's something that you know we should all kind of watch out for when you know in terms of the future and how it's going to, um, how it's, what's going to happen in how they're going to deal with it. Because right now, if they were to give you a thousand bucks, you would really get like 500, not 500, but maybe like 700. I, again, like, I don't, I don't care what the laws are. All I care is that there are companies that are giving benefits to employees that are more progressive, more adaptive and there are whole companies that are full remote all the time and they provide a stipend to their workers to buy office furniture, rent co-working spaces, and that's already happening. And if some businesses use the law as an excuse to not do this, they will lose professionals. I don't, I, I don't care. I will go to the company that has the best work-life balance, best benefits, best pay. And right now, a good work-from-home policy and leadership and management that is able to like conceptualize what it's like managing a remote team and what it means in the long run, that's what people will be favoring. And that will push the rest of the businesses that way also. As a professional in tech now, I can just go to the companies that already have these infrastructures and structures available to 
to just do like, like I don't need to put up with a company that isn't willing to change because they think we're all going back next week. Well, nobody's thinking that it's, it's more of like, remember that second stage of desperation. Um, usually what happens is when, when people are in shock, they don't really make decisions um, right away. They're in shock. Right. Um, or, then they move to the state of stage of desperation and the desperation, they make decisions um, that are not lot necessarily logical or the best decisions that they can make. Um, and I'll show you kind of the curve that is out there when, you know, when it, it's called the crisis response um, curve or whatever. Um, they're still kind of going down in terms of their businesses suffering and they're like kind of losing money and et cetera. But hopefully, at some point, every every company will get to a stage of uh, evaluation and kind of understand what the next step should be logically, um, considering all the risks involved, considering all the benefits or not the ben- not benefits, like all the issues that can come up and all of that, and kind of move on to the deliberate action stage where they will start doing the right thing. But much like our discussions about whether it's worth being a contractor or a small business owner or a full-time employed person, one of the benefits I have as a full-time employed worker is deciding who I want to go for. If I want to work for a company, I can just, I can go there. And if it's not something that I'm happy with, I'm free to leave. I don't have like a business and employees that I have to worry about. If my company or any company shows that they're unwilling to change or they're acting in a way that like I find unacceptable, I am free to pursue other opportunities. And that's that's just part of the that's part of the job. I don't I don't owe the company any allegiance if they choose to behave in a way that I don't agree with. Yeah, of course not. I mean Everybody wants to work for a company that emerges as a leader, and there's no question about it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping that my company does the right thing. They seem to be figuring things out. It must be hard. And again, that's they, they have whole teams of people doing crisis management, doing business continuity. I don't have to worry about that. If they're not providing that service to me, that's not my problem. I know it's hard but they have the resources to figure it out. And if those people that they hired to do this aren't doing a good job that benefits the workers who I consider myself a part of, I don't, I don't need to stay. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I agree. Okay, Eugene. So I think uh, it was a pretty good discussion and there was, Kind of a couple of topics in uh, in this episode, right? We've covered like problem solving, approaching, moving, and kind of, and then we we kind of moved into working from home, which I feel like is everything's related. Yeah, it was a bit all over the place, but I think it all I think it all made sense. Yeah. All right, Eugene. So I'll see you in the next episode. Yeah. <laughs> Bye.